podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. Sidekick, psychic Josh is there in Soho House as usual. Hi, Josh. I am not in Soho House, but I am tremendously well. And I'm so excited that we have got a returning great to the podcast after a long absence. It's like Jens Lehmann coming back for that one-off game at Blackpool many years ago. Or Sol Campbell, he came back, didn't he, for a bit? Thierry Henry. Thierry, Thierry Henry. Well, I wasn't going to go that far with Thierry. Oh, I mean, all respect. On, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to build it up, you might as well go for the go for. No, I'm, I'm going, going Jens Lehmann. Jens Lehmann. The Jens Lehmann of the Arsenal podcast, the footballistic the Arsenal, is listener. We're referring to Little Will Sparks. Will. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Still still little, not as good in goal as Jens Lehmann or in defence as Sol Campbell. Though Josh has seen me play football a few times, so he can vouch for some some moderate ability. Yeah. Will's, Will, a, good, Will's a good footballer. Very good footballer. What, what, what position do you play in, Will? So like num- number 10 in the old, you know, get, oh. get, get me on the ball. Um, sort of an anarchic, anarchic midfielder sort type sort of so thing. So you're, like the, you're the, also the Emile Smith Rowe or the um, Odegaard of... Uh, of, um, oh, I'm nowhere near that talented or two footed as the aforementioned, but uh, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm aiming to be uh, low centre of gravity, low centre of gravity, of course. How what yes. is your official height? Um, official height, I'm gonna go with five five, okay. maybe a a bit, maybe five 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 point five point five. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. When people ask me how tall are you, I just go not very, and they can usually mm. see that from the first yeah. instance that they meet me, so yeah, yeah. Um, not very. I've, I feel I can call you little, little Will because you are one of the few people in the world shorter than I am because I'm I'm about five foot six. Yeah, no, you are. You're yeah, definitely yeah. A little bit shorter. Than no, we should say that right. you have. We need to. You know what we need to do because Will has come to the odd play with a legend event over the years. We need to get the two of you in centre midfield as a partnership at an event, and and we'll just we'll we'll see how that goes. The two of you. What do you reckon, Will? Nah. Only if you're only if you're at the back because you're a very accomplished centre off. Oh, I must say. Well, okay, must say. I'm playing behind. You. We should do that one day, Boyd. We should one do day. that. A, a football list of the Arsenal one player day. legend event yeah. where yeah. we get who would who would be invited. We have we'll have Alan Alga. He'll come play left back. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll fly Ben in Ben Winston Church. Yeah. So we can. He'll be might be manager. Ben or, Ben or Ben would be the aggressive midfielder, wouldn't he? No hold. No no. He, he'd be like the. He'd probably be. I don't know. Um, you'd have to go back a bit for the last time we had one of those. Um, Where do you reckon Jeff plays? Where do you reckon Jeff, Jeff Arsenal plays? Jeff Arsenal, he's like, um, I think he could be in goal almost, isn't he? Like a kind of, uh, like a Bob Wilson style figure, I feel. Gareth like. Parker played non-league football, didn't he? So he, he can, Gareth he Parker, can... speedy, speedy yeah. winger, surely. I played I play with Gareth. He is a quali- he's a quality footballer. He's yeah. Really yeah. good. No, is he? Really? He'd love that. He'll love that. He'll love that. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, look, there's something to think about. Maybe Dermo, for... get Dermo. Dermo Leary, I reckon, will play up front. It's Dermo striker. He, he always so. talks about his five-a-side games. Yeah. He's very good. Yeah, very good. Mark Pugach. We had a lot of good feedback about Pugach last week. Pugas. Um, who's I guess last week will no pressure to live up to that, but um, <laughs> Mark was very good. Although he did, we should say, just to get us into the Arsenal um, facts, uh, the Arsenal discussion of our game against Burnley. Mark brought up the the issue of Chekhov's gun, um, which I'm sure, as Will knows, being an educated man, is is reference to what Chekhov, the playwright, um, said. Roughly, I'm paraphrasing from the original Russian, but that if you have a, if you show a gun in the first act of your play, it has to go off in the third, and the equivalent of that, in of course, when Arsenal comes, is is Xhaka, where if you pick Xhaka 
then obviously he goes off. He's all right in the first act, but then some fuck up, some massive fuck up is going to happen in the third act. And of course it did. Um, and and not and, and I think that mistake kind of encapsulates, if I can use that word, Arsenal's Arsenal's form of recent times. And I, and I re- there was a very interesting article on um, uh, who was it? Um, Sam Dean, no, Sam Dean of the Telegraph wrote an article saying um, Arsenal's comedy of errors, how moments of individual madness are ruining our progression. In 2021, Arsenal have conceded 13 goals. At least six of those were due to inexplicable, unforced errors. Now, and there was also a debate, a good heated debate on uh, Twitter between Le Grove, other other former guests on this podcast, Le Grove, um, Pete of Le Grove fame, also has his own podcast, of course, as well, and Alan Alga himself, about the general progression. Because Alan always trots out, and I'd say this if he was here, trot, I use the phrase trots out slightly disparagingly. He always... Um, mentions the the starting record of Arsenal managers. You know, he compares the the, the, right. the, the numbers of games under Unai Emery with the number of games under um, Arteta and, and Wenger and all that. And, sees. and of course, yes, Unai Emery has a much better record in his first tranche of games than Arteta's got. To which my question is, this is my long-winded um, introduction, and my question is, what, are we seriously suggesting that Unai Emery is a better manager than Mikel Arteta? Or in fact is the point that um, the Telegraph writer was saying, which is that I really feel sorry for Arteta because he's lumbered with these fucking players, Jacques in particular, Louise a little bit less, you know, particular, but equally in the same same bracket, players who can play well week in, week out. And Jacques has improved, I think, quite a lot in the last couple of months, in the last month maybe. But does fucked up that chance, fucked up that, um, that pass back from the goalkeeper, Leno, and ruined the whole fucking thing. So anyway, Will, um, I guess the question is, um, do you see what I mean? Do you do you think overall that we're advancing, the progress is going well? And and is the is the are these individual errors of which the Xhaka one against Burnley is a classic example? Means you've got to take that into account when judging how how well we're doing and how we're advancing under Arteta. Yeah, no, I think I think we definitely are advancing. Um, when I watched that first half against Burnley, I from the early signs of the play, I thought we were, I thought we were going to win two or three nil. Um, yeah. You know, it, there was there was a real sort of attacking vigor. I mean, that when the, I thought the prime example of that was when for our goal, Party played it through uh, a Burnley press, and uh, William received it. You know, full of beans going towards the goal, and when William had the ball, the whole Burnley back four were backing off him. No one went in to make a challenge. So it's good to see Willian getting on the ball and affecting play a bit more. And then he picks out Bamiang, lovely little step over. Okay, it was, it was poor goalkeeping, but it was a goal. And then we had the, the chance a few moments later when Saka put it just wide. Um, and I, I thought we were going to win comfortably. And then the, the game goes into a bit of a lull. If I compare this musically, um, it was like we played four of our greatest hits. And then you go into that sort of slower mid-set lull to make sure you don't get the crowd too knackered. That's what it felt like. And then... It, and then Jacka made that mistake. And, you know, I'm, I'm really into my tactics. I love reading about tactics. And I love reading about, you know, all, all the different metrics you can compare football with at the moment, whether it's like expected goals or expected errors or even expected saves people are able to calculate now. And there's a lot of discussion. Well, you know, Leno should have seen the Burnley press coming. He's played it to Xhaka's weaker foot. At the end of the day, Jack has passed it to Burnley centre forward who's three yards away from him. It's gone yeah. off his backside and it's gone in. And like, it was at a point in the game where I was watching and the sort of not really, wasn't really taking notice because it was just sort of looked like a, 
you know, in the corner of your eye sometimes when you're on yeah, your phone. Yeah, yeah, same. I know what you mean. It was meandering like in, in a very comfortable yeah. way. We were absolutely yeah. dominating that game in a kind of yeah. comfortable, laid-back way. Yeah, but they were no threat whatsoever. Yeah, no threat whatsoever. And then I looked up and the ball was in the back of the net and I couldn't mm. compute how it had gone in until I saw a replay. Mm. But uh, to answer the question, you're talking about progression. If you look at the game against Burnley earlier in the season where we were struggling to create chances... Yeah. Um, that was another Xhaka centric game as well. He got because he got sent off. Uh, memory serves me right. So there, there's definitely progression. Um, at the end of the day, we're in the top half of the table. Just you know, um, it's, it's, it's hard because I think we've got more points still than we had this with the equivalent last season. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's it's it's, it's difficult because there, there's there is so much potential in that side, and I'd really like to keep hold of Erdegaard for another season. Mm. Um, I think he's coming on quite well. He's definitely finding passes that some other midfielders can't find. Uh, another one, I mean, I'm sure um, he's received praise in previous weeks, but Mary is really an assured presence and you don't really notice he's playing half the time because essentially I think he knows where to stand. And um, that was proven last week at Leicester when he put Vardy on the weights for that ball and Vardy tried to buy, buy a foul off him. So he's th- there's definitely signs overall. Mm. There are 100% signs of progression, but... I mean, it's, it's a point away at Burnley who are in pretty poorish form. So disappointing at the end of the day. At the end of the day, Josh, do you think the, the um, a lot of people, a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter were blaming Leno. Uh, some of them as much as they were blaming Xhaka for that mistake. Some were blaming him more. I found that absolutely inexplicable. I have to say, as far as I'm concerned, our whole um, uh, style now is to play out from the back. I mean, Pretty much every team does, probably apart from Burnley. Like there's about one or two teams that don't play out from the backs. But we certainly, absolutely, clearly, the manager has instructed our defence to play out the back and to play, try and, and often we create good chances from that. It's working really well and we've improved on it massively from when we tried to do it last season. And so in this situation, people are going, oh, Leno can see, you know, the, the threat from the Burnley players. I'm sorry. He's yeah. got, a, he's, he's, he's got, Xhaka, first of all, is coming back towards him, literally asking for the ball. Absolutely. And can see, Correct. by and the way. And he's expecting the ball. As expecting the ball and knows full well the Burnley players that are in the vicinity uh, of him. It wasn't a late run from the fucking Burnley player. He's there, yes. standing there next yes. to him, and he and so the Leno gives him the ball as he's asking for it, and all he has to do is turn around and pass it to someone else in a, in the right shirt colour, and that and instead he whacked it at the fucking Burnley player. No, he took a touch, didn't he? He took a touch. And it's like the equivalent of what he does sometimes in his, in the most, even within, with the improvement in his most infuriating moments, when he stands there with the ball, literally like stands there for a, kind of a couple of seconds, kind of takes another touch and then doesn't pass it to the really obvious player. Often it's, you know, someone out on the wing. And in this case, he took, took a touch and literally whacked it at the Burnley player who then went straight into the net. I mean, it's his fucking fault, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was a very long question, Boyd. I thought I was going to be asking <laughs> my opinion on it, but quite frankly, you, you, you've done two, two, two and a half minutes on talking about it. What I will say is usually the blame might go to the goalkeeper when the ball that ball is played out and then that player is dispossessed immediately. He didn't have time. He, he couldn't, there was no composure. Xhaka is not dispossessed by the play man. The, the ball he plays doesn't look like a, a last-ditch attempt to try and clear it and it's taken a ricochet and gone off. It, it is a it just complete lapse in in concentration, totally relaxed, and uh, and the sort of goal that you you don't see at the Premier League. I mean, you know, forget you know, Sheffield United, West Brom. 
you don't see see them concede that type of goal. I think with Leno, you you know, he is under strict instruction that is how to play. Xhaka mm. is under an instruction to go between the centre backs and be an option um, for that ball. And you know, I'm trying to think of a percentage that you could blame Leno, and I'm I'm probably at around three percent of which that is split hmm. evenly between the idea that he knew it was Xhaka, so he should know there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, and also just you know that. You know, possibly, possibly, you know, you know, he could he could see that he is being closed down. But, you know, at all points, players are going to be closed down. It doesn't mean you should never, you know, part, pass them the ball. They still had, he still had, a, you know, a second or two to make the pass. And, you know, you, you wouldn't have expected him to. The sort, it's the sort of thing where if, um, if Xhaka hadn't made the mistake, none of us would remember that moment from the game. None of us would be going, oh, you remember when Leno put Xhaka under huge pressure? And I think that is the uh, the litmus mm. test of it, really. Um, but Xhaka will stay in the team. Don't worry about that. Xhaka will, will yeah, carry so that, on guess, getting that's, his uh, that's a good performance. Point, though. That's a good point, though. I guess the question there, Will, is, you know, because, I, I mean, I said this the last time he made a massive um, fuck-up. You know, if you pick Xhaka, you're going to get Xhaka. And yeah. it's like... What's the what's the what's the alternative? I mean, it, it's extraordinary, isn't it, that how he is absolutely he plays week in week out, you know, um, interchanges with various different partners. So it might be Ceballos one week, party if he's fit, you know. But he's all he's the constant, isn't he? Always El Nene, him yeah. and El Nene, and and yet he's he's made more mistakes in the last couple of seasons than any other player in the Premier League, leading to goals. So do, can, yeah. you, can you put the blame on the manager for 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 still having him as our number one pick in midfield? Well, yeah, and the manager's picking him. Um, and if the, if we're seeing these errors and um, he's not, then I, I guess you've, you've got to ask questions. Uh, you, I think you said it just at the start of this episode. He, he's definitely improved, Xhaka. Like, he, he really has. And I think Arteta's brought a better player out in him. And there are games where Xhaka has complete control of the situation. Uh, he mm. still picks up his, his customary bookings, which I quite enjoy, actually. Um, as long as they're not, you know, putting us in 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 real shit. But I do quite enjoy a Jacker booking just because you know it's sort of coming over the hill. Um, but yeah. it's yeah, I, I mean, I, in terms of isolated incidents, you do pick up that that part of uh, Jacker's game, unfortunately. And um, he he got he was picked under Emery. He was picked under Jacker. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, he was picked under. Um, Sorry, he was picked under Benger. He was picked under Emery, and he will continue to be picked because um, obviously Arteta sees something from a from a coaching side, and I see something, but I don't know if it's enough. I'm not calling for him necessarily to be, to be pulled out of the team. I think you we've just come to to learn and accept, and there've definitely been signs of improvement this season. I think with all these errors that we see, like we we will not remember the Sabios you know, crap mm. header from the game in Olympiacos in quite the same way because we ended up pulling through. And, but for, I mean, maybe you want to come on to the handball decision. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. If we'd have just, oh, yes. if we'd have just got a penalty or even when Pepe, you know, so nearly scored and they had the red car, red car correctly rescinded, we would just remember the game in a different way. But the problem is it, it has cost us Two points. Just when you felt there's momentum, just when you thought there's a couple of teams within reach, and it just sets off the weekend in the worst possible way. Having those horrible, yeah. by two thirty, you were annoyed about Xhaka. And I said to you at the time, I was, I'm glad we're podcasting on Monday night. We might have calmed down about it. That's. I mean, it's a good, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. But that, uh, that, this is why I really feel sorry for Artessa. I really do. And, and so it kind of slightly. I think. I think when you trot out stats like Alan does. 
Alan Al-Qadar is about, you know, and comparing him with Unai Emery. And, and people say things like the league never lies, you know, that we're in 10th and, you know, that's obviously a worse position. Well, I think the league never lies. It's such a pointless cliche because, of course, it does. I mean, in the sense that, it's not, are you seriously telling me that, strictly speaking, every single position in the league is an absolute identifier and reflection of the quality of that team? Of course it isn't. All kinds of things happen in the course of a league campaign that make certain people's, certain teams' positions in the league a slightly unfair reflection, actually, of, of, of their performance and their progress. And so, so that's one issue. The second issue, this game in particular, highlighted that massively. And why Arteta, I think, at the moment is so unlucky, because not only did he have the the the, the Xhaka fuck-up, who could possibly, you know, account for that? He then gets the worst refereeing decision in the history of football. I'm only slightly exaggerating. But the worst refereeing decision, certainly of recent memory, the most obvious cast-iron fucking handball you know, of the season, in a season where every other handball, anywhere near that is given, a penalty is given, absolutely bewildering. Kevin Friend, the the, the referee in, in the VAR thing, by the way, where's the fucking interview with him to explain his, to explain his nonsense? So well, what I'm saying is... Explain. They yeah, explained, uh, didn't the, they, vicinity, on the proximity, proximity. Proximity. Fuck that shit. If the if the defender controls the ball with his hand, it doesn't matter how close the, the attacker is. It doesn't matter how close Pepe is to him. He controlled the ball with his hand. Will. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. infuriate. So, again, like for Arteta, how can you control... Like if, if if we'd have been given that penalty, and our, our record in penalties has been very good recently, we, we were scoring all our penalties, I'm sure we would have scored that penalty, and we would have won that game. I have no doubt. So there's two, absolute two reasons why we didn't win that game. Uh, one of our players fucks up, and we were denied a cast iron penalty. How You can't blame... You can't then come away from this game going, we didn't deserve to win that game, can you? No, absolutely not. And when you're when when you're a team, if, if we were a team at the top end of the table, and we were a team reliant on creating 10, 11 really good chances a game, in some cases to win the game, then we might have gone on to win it. But we're a team in tenth, and we're not to sound needy, but we need those decisions at the moment. When yeah. when the quality is a bit thin on the ground and the game's gone into a bit of a lull, it's an absolute. So, <sighs> I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. You just heard me swearing constantly for the last. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm a guest, but what a fucking. We're, we have I'm different. Saying. Wait a minute. I love the idea that we have different rules for guests than me. Yeah, that, edit that, that, that would be very fascistic <laughs> of me. Edit the Carry awkward on. silence out. But what an absolute fucking shocker of a decision! <laughs> like I watched it over and over again, and, and with Twitter these days, you don't need to wait until match of the day to see it again. Or you just type in the, in your search bar is. Peter's handball or Arsenal handball and you see that four seconds of complete fucking bonkers over and over again it's like when you go to intercept a ball in, in a basketball when you go for one of those low blocks and you and it, it, it doesn't even hit his hand he swipes the fucking ball he literally swipes it when Pepe tries to take it past him nothing to do with proximity we saw Eric Dyer get penalised for a penalty earlier in the season against Newcastle that came from a long throw and it just touched his hand from behind and I absolutely pissed myself when it happened because it's Tottenham and it was the most non-hand ball I've ever seen sorry Josh but I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe my eyes when he hadn't given a penalty and I'm still fucking fuming about it. Sorry. What this penalty did was show that despite VAR, it is entirely subjective, right? Yes. The whole thing about VAR, you know, there will be consistency. The consistency, unfortunately, is of course there with the offside, but it can't be there because this came down to interpretation and we've seen penalties given for that, um, it, you know, this season and, and this one wasn't. And... 
I was convinced it was going to be a pen, not necessarily because it was a pen, but because it was going to go to VAR and so many have been given mm. in that manner. So to have it, and you know, didn't go, even send him, didn't even send way. him to look, have a look at the screen. No, in, in no, um, which, which, which is interesting, isn't it? Because when we've, you know, originally when they used to go to the screen, there would always be this, uh, yeah. well, if you're being sent to the screen. Yeah. But then that sort of changed, and that's right. It should be, go to the screen. You can stick with your decision, you you know, if it is really going to be, like, down to the referee. So, yeah, Even it was um, so frustrating. But then, like, I guess, oh, I disagree with your point, though, Boyd. I think over the course of a season, you you could say, like, the league table isn't really reflective of, like, Liverpool's squad because they've been decimated at the back, and, and it's ridiculous. But in terms of what they've put on on the pitch... I think it is probably about right. And I don't know how you can say that, you know, we've played 27 games. We, I think we are where where we are. I mean, we, we've looked like about a mid-table team and we, we lie mid-table roughly where you'd expect us to be. We've shown glimmers and games where we look much better than that. And we've shown games where we look like, you know, some of that run in November, we look like, you know, relegation bound. I remember, we you know, doing that podcast, 14 games in, 14 points. You know, we've we've looked crap. I yeah, think we are where we deserve to that's be. That's a good point. But my, my argument would be that in that period, in that period, we had we were we had relegation form. But I don't think now, I think now I think subsequently now, and I think since roughly mm. the Chelsea game, and yeah. if, you know, I think he has I think we have I think we've been playing pretty well. I think we I yeah. think we have been. And you know, people can express their um, bewilderment at the idea that we're in good form, but I think we are in good form. We played really well at Leicester. I, I just think generally he has got us playing in a formation um, that works pretty well, effectively. We're, we're we're creating chances now. We're not converting them as as we should be. Defensively, we're more so. Apart from these fucking individual bewildering mistakes, defensively, structurally, we are more sound than we have been. We're not letting in. We're not conceding thirty chances to the opposition team as we were famously on Dunaimery. All these things. So that's what I mean. I mean, well, and I think we're actually. I think it's we're slightly above midway in the table I feel with I don't think I said this a couple a couple of weeks ago I don't see that much difference between us and West Ham and even Tottenham Tottenham had a really bad time and now they've suddenly got you know Chris Bale's playing really well for them and that you know now they're, they're scoring quite freely I don't see that much difference between like 10th where we are and 6th 7th all of those teams we could be 6th we could easily be 6th as we are 10th that's what that's my point and, you know, so it's like that strict, that very, that again, for me, it's just meaningless to say every single position is exactly where you should be. I mean, yeah. you know, it is literally, but I don't think it's particularly, it makes, has any insight, Will. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the top 10 or the or maybe, you know, 5th to 10th or 11th is so concertinaed at the moment yeah. that a couple of wins make you look like kings and a couple of losses will put you down, you know, down in the dumps again. Um, you know, we, we've, I mean, we've got Tottenham next, which I'm sure you'll want to, want to let's not worry about that way. right now, <laughs> but uh, part, basically the point I'm making is we, we've still got some really tricky games to come up. And, um, we, we, even though we played quite, you know, quite a few of the big boys already and got enough of those games out of the way to maybe make a, a little, a little stab at the, the European places. I think, I think realistically that should be our target, um, until the end of the season now is just to try and creep up into seventh or, or into sixth or something mm. like that. I just don't believe the consistency is there to make a proper run at the top four at the moment. I think, oh, the, top the four, no, is... but no, 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 top four, no, but, but you, but, but you're, yeah, Europa League seventh, sixth, seventh. I think, yeah, I mean, I, it's getting well, but well, you'd, you'd say Europa League has to be our priority now, doesn't it? I mean, after it's, that, it's, it, it does. And, and even the Europa League places are an optimistic target because the teams above us have got games in hand as well. Uh, a couple have anyway. I think Villa, you know, Villa have still got a, ga- a game in hand, but it's just, it, 
it's just been another really disappointing season um, because we had such a poor start. And when you have a when you have a start that poor, it's just so hard to recover any sort of any sort of grace as the season goes on. But I agree, I agree with what you said, actually, Boyd. We, we've looked since the Chelsea game. I'd say there are parts of nearly every performance, probably bar the Man City game, where we we look really really toothless. There are elements of every performance there where you can pick out some really positive, um, some really positive play mm. and uh, some some positive ideas. And I just think that you need maybe more into Josh's point about the league table. You need to piece it in from the start of the season and <laughs> you need to be you need to be on it from the start. I just think it's been mm. so disappointing this season, and it's just really really hard to know. You know, it goes so quickly, doesn't it? Um, Eleven games left, and here we are again. But. It, about your point about well, the manager void, whether you yeah. think like your sort of overriding question, is it better than Emery or Arteta? I just just don't want to be in a position where we're having to question another manager or, or, or say he's better than this person or anything. I don't like to consume football that way. I just like to consume it like, you know, as it goes along. And at, at the moment, you, you probably can't afford to sack him um, or, or, or even think about asking those questions. And we're actually playing relatively well at the moment. So let's just stay, but on, that, that's the, that's, stay that, on that sort of that, track. That's the that's that's the point I'm making. We're playing relatively well. I think that's, we that's the yeah. more important. So I mean, I, I think you know, I think when we were in the pits of that of the bad run, and and, and Josh always likes to remind me that 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 we had people on the show who took, literally said we should get rid of Arteta. And, and funnily enough, I was looking back at the headlines in that period, and Thomas Tuchel was being mentioned. By the way, quite a lot. There was one. There yeah. was one period of a few days where it looked like we were so awful and we were losing games constantly and playing terribly and a couple of the papers ran you know Arsenal and might actually be interested in getting Thomas Tuchel in and getting rid of Arteta I mean you look at where they're currently but they just they're, they're winning 2-0 tonight the last time I looked they are yeah. going fourth I mean that chance so I'm kind of I, I would posit this just as a, th- a hypothetical I don't think there's much discussion about Arteta now, right now at this moment because we're playing pretty well as you put it yourself no, I, 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 but I, I agree. when you look at Tuchel the Chelsea, the Chelsea story is they have they, the, he is going to get them probably in the top four, and that sacking and that appointment will seem, will seem totally justified. You then look at well, you know, just just you look at could should we have been that ruthless, got rid of Arteta, got a, got too cool, Where would we be now with under him? Maybe maybe you know the likes of Van Algar have got a point. Maybe we'd be quite a few places higher if we got yeah. that level of experienced manager in. You, you you say about like when when uh, we were when when we were in a really when we were in the pits and, our, and we really weren't getting any results and we were, we were lying 15th and there were people calling for Arteta's head. I'm not so I was necessarily one of those people, but I mean, a change of manager in this day and age, isn't some massive culture shock or it isn't moving heaven and earth. Sometimes it's got to be done because if that manager comes in and has even a bounce of three or four results, it just puts you in a much better position and it gives you a tiny bit of momentum going forward. You know, um, we're past the days of Wenger and maybe a Fergie or anything where you have that certain emotional loyalty to a manager as a fan. And I love Arteta as a player. I thought he was brilliant and I thought he was really underrated and I still love him as a, as a man. Um, you know, so just a bit of backstory recently, I've just left the club working yes. for six and seven, six or seven, uh, nearly seven years. And, um, and, Arteta and his coaching staff came round the head office when I was working there and Arteta gave a fantastic speech about what he wants the club to be about and how he wanted to make Colney more accessible for staff and to buy into the project. And there are elements that I completely admire about Arteta, but you live and die by results at the end of the day. And when we were in those run of results, I was sitting there thinking, well, you know, (laughs) 
Well, he is a brilliant communicator. I mean, there's no doubt about that, is there? I mean, I think that's actually, I mean, I, I, I think probably he, he, everyone says he's a brilliant coach and Pep says he's a brilliant coach. And uh, to be fair to him, I think he has advanced us in various different ways. But I feel like communicate, although he did give that press conference recently, didn't he, last week, where he kind of listed all the things that he'd like to improve with us. So it's pretty much every single yeah. thing, every single <laughs> thing about the team. Yeah. Uh, it's our, our attacking, our defending, uh, blah, 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 getting through the lines, all of that. It was quite a funny thing. But generally, apart from one or two questionable post-match interviews, and those are always difficult. I feel like he's, uh, that was Will, sound of Will hitting his rather impressive Sorry. microphone. That's fine. Sorry. Um, but I think his communication skills are, which is really important, isn't it, to, to the team. Um, uh, it's as important, it's one of the most important elements of the thing. If you can communicate to the team what you want them to do, and if you can kind of, but I wonder whether, I wonder, Josh, whether, what, what would Thomas Tuchel have done with um, Xhaka making that mistake? I wonder whether the likes of him might have actually dropped him after that. I wonder if one, because one of the big problems we've had going, going back to Wenger and beyond is the lack of, of you know of, of punishment the lack of consequences when players make mistakes like that like that you know they can't like Shaka knows he's going to be playing the next game as we were saying t- five ten minutes ago and I wonder whether someone as ruthless as Thomas Tuchel has already shown himself to be would actually drop him I don't know it's a it's a it's a, it's a well I, well I think to to at Chelsea has clearly given everyone an opportunity hasn't he he has rotated mm. the team heavily um which is a nightmare for those that enjoy fantasy league i mean i i never quite know if ben chilwell is uh, is going to be playing having been such a reliable fellow for so long in <laughs> during this season it now seems that alonso is, is back in action i mean with tusha go, going in there that chelsea squad is so far above ours it's frightening i mean it, we we can't even compare so you know, Lampard getting sacked because of the direction that had started to go in, having spent the amount of money and, of course, who quite knows if Lampard was responsible or if there were, you know, signings made, you know, for him. But that became a situation, I think, different to Arteta, where the pressure is not on Arteta, anything like what it was on Lampard. Um, would another manager be as, you know, not as tolerant on Xhaka? Probably not, but... You know, it's like Will said earlier, he's not the first, is he? He's not the first Arsenal manager to show, you know, this level um, of tolerance. And, you know, look, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm sad. For, you're right, I'm sad for Arteta because there have been moments in the last, you know, even just taking the last month. And I think, I think back to that game at Wolves and I just think, oh, yeah. You know, that ridiculous penalty that we conceded having been so good for 45 minutes. And then not only yeah. were we were we actually quite good in that game, we got beaten by like a worldie. Like a, a goal Wolves will not score again this season. And again, it's happened, you know, where we could have had a, uh, a penalty situation go our way. I look at the uh, sending off, was it, um, was it Jagielka who got sent off? Uh, for Sheffield United the, the other day. And I think of the similarities to when Saka was brought down at Villa Park in not a dissimilar situation. And you just think, well, I don't know. Am I an Arsenal fan who's just, you know, only really pays such attention to Arsenal? Or have we actually been a little bit unlucky at points this year? Um, and that added to the good performances we've seen from from Arteta and the way we dug ourselves out of a hole in Europe and the way we went to Leicester and were so convincing. That's what I just think will, even though I think, as I've said it here before, we'll only peter to maybe eighth in the league. We'll see what happens in Europe, but I'm happy to 
happy to go again next year. Um, and it will be Arteta in charge. And hopefully, you know, with a bit more of a turnover in the squad and a few more players out, you know, you, you think of Guendouzi and and probably a few others who are, who are going to leave the club and be replaced. And uh, yeah, hopefully a brighter future. Imagine if he found, finds a midfield player who can do everything that Xhaka can do um, and not make those, not make eight mistakes that lead to goals. In, in, in but he sticks years. with people. And we've seen it with David Luiz. I mean, if you go back to June oh, and you remember David Luiz's performance in the first game back mm. in the, it was Jamie Carragher said on air that night, I don't think we'll ever see David Luiz yeah. in an Arsenal shirt again. Well, as soon as he said that, I thought, no, you don't, you have no idea the way Arsenal works. I mean, as much as I love Jamie Redmond. Yeah. <laughs> the door is always open. <laughs> don't yeah, don't always, worry about that. Always. So, you know, we, we'll see Xhaka yeah. back. And the William and the William story. Play. And and to be fair, like I, I well, knew William's got another assist, didn't he? Oh, yeah, and, and I knew he'd pick him again. And I know he's got another assist. I know he's got the most number of assists, but that's such a ridiculous stat because yeah. it basically means hardly any of our players have got many assists. Correct. Like if you look at do you know who created the most chances in the game on against Burnley for us? Do you know that this stat? It's good. Uh, no, Callum, got gone. Callum Chambers. Callum Chambers Big, made the most, Callum Chambers, the most yeah. chances. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to hey, see him back. Uh, weird, weird and nice to see him back. And I thought he played perfectly well. Yeah. Interesting reluctance at the moment to pick um, to pick Hector Bellerin. I wonder whether that's anything to do with, you know. Well, there was this story again today about the uh, Barcelona yeah. elections and yeah, I saw that uh, Laporte getting in and then that meaning that, that Hector is, is on his way. But we said it, didn't we? It, it, it's starting to feel like the end of that yeah. love affair. And I feel for you, boy, because, you know, when Theo left, that was a really tough moment for you in your Arsenal oh, no, this supporting is, this is Hector leaving. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I love him. I, I like Hector as a human being. And um, he was very nice when I met him at that GQ style party. Um, okay. Name drop. Yeah, about... 18 months ago. And he's, a, he's, a, he's an example of how to be a, 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 a really good human being human. as well as a footballer. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not, I won't miss him as a footballer that much. I don't. I, I, Who yeah. would you miss most if they left right now? In the current squad? Yeah. Saka? Um, yeah, Saka, yeah. Saka, so. yeah. Yeah. I saw, by the way, um, someone said, is it time we, we kind of looked at Saka's, like someone was slagging off Saka basically on. I was thinking of all the players you're going to focus on. I mean, he didn't have the best of games against him and I would say that, but I no. mean, come on. I mean, he's been what, phenomenal. What, what a load of, so I don't even know who it is. So there's, a, you know, subjectively, but what a load of nonsense. That, that kid, I say, you know, I can say that now, that kid, he's been younger than me now and he's, uh, yeah. he's carrying so much weight and he's carrying so much of the ability in that team. That ball he put in for Bamiang against Benfica the other night was yeah. everything you'd expect yeah. of a of a hundred million pound creative midfielder. It was absolutely on the money. I'd, I'd, I'd be so devastated if, if Saka left. Not that I want to even entertain that conversation. Yeah. Just going a bit like, Josh, I actually agree with um, what you were saying, Josh. We also had one cleared off the line. We hit the post at the end. We should have had a penalty, and if we, if, if you, if you replicate that level of performance over a certain amount of games, then you, you'll pick up more points than you will drop. But um, yeah, isolate, well, I, wanna... I think uh, the isolated incident Saturday wasn't it? Very, yeah. very much so. There's another than... incident I want to talk about. Let's we'll need to take a quick break, but after the break, let's talk about Pepe and his um, his his chance because uh, that was great. <laughs> that was quite a big moment as well. Uh, but we'll go to the break first. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, 
check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Um, as I was saying, Pepe had a classic Pepe game, didn't he? He came on, I thought he made a big difference. You know, I thought he... Um, he was very, very um, purposeful. Um, I thought he immediately everyone sp- seemed to speed up the play. I, I, I do think he's, you know, he, uh, everything... Because even in the first half, when we should have been three or four nil up, I agree with what Will said right at the beginning, we could have been three or four nil up in the first half an hour. But I thought it was quite interesting. We played quite slowly, even during that period. But then Pepe comes on, and then suddenly, like, in the last act of the game if you like we're playing faster and more purposeful and suddenly it feels like we're, we're, we're getting out together and I thought he was a lot to do with that then he had that chance um that he completely fluffed just now again we're going to go back to the Alan Alka says it's his technique I think that's the wrong word I think it's all in his mind I think he's not I think he he just doesn't focus and concentrate enough he's got the technique he scores goals like that all the time all the all the goals he's ever scored for us half the time is when he cuts in and gets has any time to think about and, and shoots and scores and he's, he, he he would score that nine times out of ten but he didn't and that's not to do he hasn't got the technique it's because he, something in his brain didn't quite focus enough and he's not ruthless enough to take that chance and just do it and pull it off well, he's, he's just mistimed concerned. it he's just it's fluffed it, it. Yeah. he's just fluffed it yeah it's like it's a I simple think anyone's capable of that <laughs> fluff. yeah oh, absolutely anyone's capable of that you know you could you could name countless countless Aubameyang chances the one in the Europa League the other night against Benfica oh, yeah. in the uh, in the first leg you know but whilst his technique was actually quite good because he let it run across his body he just put it wide you know yeah but look, look, players at every level fluff chances. You know, I fluff chances down at Highbury Fields every now and again, and I feel very bad. And my team groan at me, but there's not as much pressure on me because, you know, it doesn't depend on people's livelihoods and the managers get staying in jobs. But, but whatever. He fluffed it and uh, he should have scored it. So if you add that to a, another isolated incident, um, isolated is an incident Saturday doesn't have like the same ring as like a super Saturday, does it? But I, that's what I think I'm it's good. Make. I think it's a good label for this particular game. It was. It was just full of little incidents rather than a symptom of how Arsenal are playing at the moment. Uh, I don't, yeah. You know, I think it was rather that than... We didn't come off... I, I don't know about you, you guys, but I didn't come away from the game going, same old, same old. We didn't create any chances. We didn't, we no. didn't even look a threat. I, I didn't... And earlier in the season, that's what I felt after nearly every game from, from about... Yeah. Um, from September to through to about you know um, December, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's 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 an improvement <laughs> for, for sure. We- we had 15 shots, by the way. I mean, only three on target, but 15 shots. I mean, you know, we, we should have had more on target. What did you think, Josh, about, A, the Pepe situation then? You know, hero or villain? A, he, you know, he also, of course, led to what should have been a penalty. He's dribbling in the box, met, put that pressure on on, on their player to, 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 to touch the ball with his hand. Um, but obviously he should have scored. So it was a kind of mixed day. But he made a difference, didn't he, coming on, Pepe? 100%. Made a difference, had an impact. And you can't always say that about some of the sort of attacking substitutions that we've, you know, made during this season. You know, in the past month, the main man coming off the bench was was obviously Willian. And he's, you know, come good of late. But there were so many sort of, 
you know, non-memorable, you know, substitutions that have been made and lack of impact. Pepe has undeniably had a bigger impact since since the turn of the year. And I was probably upset for him. Not upset for him, I don't know if that's the right word, but I would have started him. I think I would have yeah. started him um, at the weekend. I think he's unlucky. And I don't know if that really is starting to see where the priority is for Arteta. You know, I imagine Pepe starts on Thursday night, and I think that is starting to see where, you know, Arteta, it almost feels like all the eggs are in the basket. He can mix and match a team in the league, knowing we probably won't make it. So now it's just, you know, all about Europe. And I think Pepe has done enough to play his way into that sort of European 11 that we'll we'll hopefully see on Thursday night. I think... I think also the way we're playing at the moment is a benefit to Pepe because we spend a lot more time in the opposition half at the moment. We're taking a lot more touches near the final third. And when you have, when you're playing that way, a player like Pepe thrives on that because he's always near the ball. He's always wants to get on the ball and he's very good at, if you get him isolated one, one on one against the fullback, you saw the other day against Leicester uh, playing Luke Thomas at fullback, you know, young, fairly inexperienced Pepe, absolutely relish that going up, up against him one-on-one and Thomas ended up getting booked in the first half, I think, or, or fairly early on, if uh, memory serves me correctly. So if, if you, if you play that way and you want to go and dominate play in the other opposition's half, then a player like Pepe is great because he's going to see more of the ball. He might lose it three or four times, but he, he's close to being in that club of a very small club of sort of our Shavin and maybe to another extent, Alexis Sanchez is when you are dominating the game, but you can't necessarily break anything down. He is someone you want on the ball because mm. he has got that one-yard shift that can make something happen. Unfortunately, I don't think the consistency is quite there. Um, and, you know, maybe with an R. Shavin, it wasn't even... Alexis is a different kettle of fish, but... He definitely he's wasn't there that, with R. Shavin. Definitely, I believe. No, he wasn't. But he's in that bracket of player that when when it is a bit stale and you have a yeah. lot of possession around the opposition box, he is someone you want on the ball because there is, there is something there. And I think that's why oh, Pepe really? wasn't completely written off when he was in, in a really bad run of form, but mm. I think he's playing really well apart from that complete sitter. <laughs> yeah. Then, what about, the, the, yeah. What do we think about, um, I have to, my one issue with um, all of Arteta's decision-making at the moment, and I've said this a couple of times is, is substitutions. And I thought the um, taking Odegaard off, who I thought was having a perfectly good game um, and bringing on Lacazette and playing Lacazette in that number 10 position. I mean, he did, he does okay there, but I mean, I just thought that was, I, I didn't see that. I didn't, I thought that didn't make much sense particularly. No, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I was, uh, I was surprised to to see him go uh, for Lacazette before Pepe. I think when you, when you looked at that bench and, you know, the options that were going to be to come on, I mean, you sort of knew, didn't you? I mean, Martinelli, we, we've spoken about, doesn't seem interested in him. No. You know, it, who was on there? Better, better in Gabriel. So, you know, d- defensively, not going to worry about. Sabayos, he did bring on in the final 10 minutes, holding, you know, wasn't, wasn't going to appear. You knew it was going to be Sabayos, uh, Lacazette and Pepe coming on in some order. Uh, and yeah, just, just to, you know, it, it was sort of going enough okay just to, you know, Odegaard had, had done enough, had, had looked creative and, uh, you know, it was, it was Pepe that made the difference and, and Pepe, I think, you know, most times would have, would have won Arsenal the game. And at least with Pepe, when you know he isn't starting, you think, 
something might happen. I mean, you never quite know. I mean, he, yeah. he, he could be two out of 10. It could be eight out of 10, but he's going to, he's not shy at, um, he won't always do the safe thing. He will try and beat a man. He will try and make something happen. And, you know, it's infuriating at times, but you know, he was what, I mean, in, inches away from, you know, one, he should have got us a penalty and, you know, so close. I mean, he got a great connection on the one that ended up hitting the bar. So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm pleased enough. What did we make? Talking of Lacazette, did you see Match of the Day? The Match of the Day. So, Gary Lineker, did you see it, Will? Match of the Day? Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a clip on Twitter yeah. where they, they all yeah. fall over at the end. Yeah, yeah. well, so they I highlighted, mean, first of yeah. all, Lacazette scream, screaming, yeah. which was, I have to say, loud, dramatic and, and, and unbelievably loud. If you're watching with the sound with the natural sound with the yeah. crowd with the fake crowd off as i was on 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 Same. sky on, on bt talk sorry that it was unbelievable that sound and he clearly do you like, do you like, do you like the fake crowd you not like the fake crowd no i don't like the fake crowd no i like to hear the now i like to hear because especially you can hear arteta coaching in his five different languages you know and you can hear him that's true yeah, yeah. that's yeah. much more interesting than the fake crowd um so Lacazette did make the most of that that foul, and was and then so they highlighted that quite effectively. Much and then at the end they did the joke of him falling over and, and making them. Which I thought was all perfectly good. Some Arsenal fans got annoyed and offended, and I'm like, come on, have a fucking sense of humour. And I have a sense of humour. It was quite a funny little bit by by Lineker and Ian Wright was there with him. I'm sure Ian Wright didn't. Ian Wright clearly didn't mind. Thought it was funny. And B, it's valid because as much as I love Lacazette, and Lacazette is up there with the players I really really like at Arsenal. Um, he did make the most of that thing. And the screaming and the shouting was a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I agree about the Odegaard substitution, by the way, just, just going back a bit. I think, like, just goes back to, a, you know, a general tactical practice when Burnley are completely content with that point and they're completely happy to concede possession and yeah. that, the, that there's going to be a bit of space or a bit of reserve about Burnley so much that that's where Odegaard thrives when he's on the ball and he's got fullbacks overlapping either side of him or just someone trying to test that really low block. And I just think to take him off, I don't know if it's a fitness issue or anything, but I was really disappointed to see him come off because I thought mm. Burnley was starting to tire a bit um, and they were conceding they were, you know, yeah. a few attempts on goal as well. So, but I really, really like Odegaard. Um, I, I just think he's, he's exactly what the, what the team have been missing all season. And it was a void really well taken up by Smith Rowe uh, in the sense that you can pick the ball generally between the centre circle and the D and have some sort of effect on the game rather than playing parallel lines to your wingers or parallel or trying to dip a ball in over the top. It's where you can be really comfortable in your own self in those areas on the ball. And I think Odegaard and Smithrow have both got it. And I think it's actually quite a good little competition for that place at the moment and when they are fairly similar players. Um, only thing I'd say about Smithrow is I think he's got a bit more effect in the tackle and a bit more effect when... You want to you want to deploy a counter press, but yeah, um, I really yeah, Smith Rowe's more of a Smith Rowe's a powerful runner, and isn't he? He can, he can turn on the sixpence and yeah. run out deceptively tall as well. Yeah, he's not yeah. a small person, Smith Rowe. No. Yeah, he, you know, so yeah, and I, and, and I love a low sock footballer yeah. as well. Oh, Mill, gotcha. Mill Smith Rowe's in the low sock in the low sock club. Yeah. So Smith Rowe, yeah. Mill Smith Rowe also looks very very much like Dan Baldwin's son Harry. Um, probably <laughs> people, no one apart from me, probably in the world, and Dan and his immediate family and friends will know what Harry looks like. But imagine Emil Smith Rowe as a kind of eight, nine year old boy, and you have a sense of that of the, they are really good lookalikes. Does I, he I, play I, football? Uh, he does play football, yeah. Apparently, he's, he's a pretty good footballer, yeah. Um, little Harry Baldwin, yeah, definitely. Oh, um, yeah, exciting to see him there. Can we? I mean, I know we're, we're getting towards the end. We've got to look ahead to the uh, Europa League game, and then we're obviously the North London derby. Just for a few minutes, well, like Will has just—you've just left the club after working for so long. How does it feel 
<laughs> I've, I've only been there to gather intelligence to, to come share on this podcast. Obviously, it's been Thank a long you. mission, but we're ready. Uh, no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, just, have you signed an NDA, like, I'm, Will? Do you have to sign an NDA? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are various bits in the contract to say, you know, you can't really bring a club into disrepute. Um, I can't say that I read it that yeah, well. Yeah, we, we're not asking you to. We're just, are you, are you, <laughs> I am. Are you sad? Are you sad to leave in a way? Like, as a fan, it just seems like the greatest job, you know, to, to, to work for the club you love. It's amazing. Uh, oh, uh, ex- extremely sad. Um, you know, I had, I had such a good time there. I started on, I started doing stadium tours uh, when I was about 18, um, sort of a couple of days a week when I was at uni. And it was a great do- job to do alongside going to lectures, and everything. And then when I finished that, I went up to, to head office to go and work in the in the box office in the service center um and 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 got to do some amazing things you know um i'd, I'd often be on the coaches to wear at middlesbrough swansea midweek helping out uh, the travel department um and and in the in the midst of all that you know unfortunately there to see the the restructure that the club have undertaken at the moment um which i think has affected a lot of working people um uh, but unfortunately, a lot of organisations are changing tack at the moment and restructuring and, and, and looking to cut costs where where they can. But but on a personal level, extremely sad. It does, from the outside, it does seem like the the dream job. But what, yeah, what was the best and the worst thing about working in the box office, dealing with Arsenal fans every day? <laughs> there was a difficult set of fans. Yeah, there were, there were some really difficult supporters to deal with. Um, but I'm, difficult I've no football doubt, supporters? I can't believe that. that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that every other club has their... Um, th- th- those, Give us uh, an example of a, a nightmare day in the box office. Can we have to name names. What, what's a difficult situation? What did Arsenal fans put you under? Do, do you know what? Like The team I had around me, it's going to sound like an award speech, but the team I had around me made it made it so good when you did have a difficult oh. call. But th- th- there were days... There were. Um, there were days in the box office uh, where something systematically had gone wrong uh, and there would be, you know, a queue going until half time and you're dealing with lots of angry people who have been seeking to get yeah. older for years and years, you know, just, just little menial things like that. You know, it's not something that you can write a book on, but um, from the outside, <laughs> I, mean, I imagine it will seem like an ideal job. But, Worst um, Arsenal books have been written, Will, believe me. What yeah, would you yeah, call they, your they, book about your time in the box office? What, what would you, boy, you got a name for this book? Um, what about a ticket, ticket to ride? Because it was in the ticket. Oh yeah, that's department. good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a very, and, and it's after yeah. a Beatles track as well. So I'd yeah, yeah, be happy with that. Did you? Say, um, I don't know if this is coincidence, um, Will, but you, you leaving Arsenal has arrived at roughly the same time as um, the, the Arsenal's financials for 2019-20 have been announced. Um, yes, I don't yeah. know if you're named in the report. Uh, <laughs> But I see that um, basically our loss before tax widened from 32 million to 54 million. Revenue fell 51 million, 13%, so 343 million. That's not bad, that revenue, by the way, 343 million impacted by COVID. Figures would have been worse without 60 million profit from player sales. I, this is all Swiss Ramble. Everyone, if anyone wants to see Swiss Ramble, the authority. Uh, yeah. the authority. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Does he mention you in the report? Uh, no, I, I doubt it would. I doubt they would have uh, saved loads <laughs> getting getting rid of me, to be honest. But um, it, it it's working for your for your boyhood club, and you know my family are season ticket holders still, and, and still go down there on a regular basis. And it was something that I'd love to have continued for years and years and years. But um, I think just just little things, like I say, little things. But like I was like honoured to you know just just do little trips up to the training ground every now and again to do some work with the players and. Uh, a trip to Baku. Um, that was a really, really tough forty-eight hours. Um, you know, yeah, it was six a.m. Going, getting on that that plane, and then trying to deal with the supporters on the way back. Just oh, us getting absolutely pasted by Chelsea. But um, 
Yeah, you won. Well, no, well, at least you didn't. At least you didn't pay a grand for your flight out there. Will it could have been worse? It could have been a worse twenty-four hours. <laughs> did you? <laughs> so you did, so you met you busted met most of the players at various times. Yeah, I had really really lucky to meet most of the players. Um, so I, I went up to Colney a couple of times uh, to do um, to help a wonderful um, wonderful lady called Lynn, who I don't think gets enough recognition in the in the wider Arsenal sphere. Uh, Lynn. Deals a lot, a lot with the players and messages for for sick children and letters for families who have unfortunately lost a loved one, which at the moment um, couldn't be more 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 prevalent. Uh, but Lynn's amazing, a real Arsenal treasure. I'm so glad they've still got her. So hopefully some acquaintances of Lynn are, are listening. But um, just things like that, going up to the training ground, doing messages for for kids that are sick in hospital. Um, uh, I went up there once and we did the Christmas messages. So just recording messages for kids who are sick in hospital. Um, like I've got to say, Rob Holding when we did them was absolutely top draw. You know, had so much time for it and putting antlers oh, on and tinsel around him as, as well. So he's one of my my favourites. Was there, there was there anyone who wasn't top draw? Um, I wouldn't say Ozil was the happiest bunny oh, around. Oh, I knew you were going to say Ozil. Well, that's why I asked the question. Oh, well, he's left and I've left now. I mean, I, we, yeah. we, you know, we let's, can surely... Let's come break, on, let's right just there. say it. Let's you say were it. just two former Arsenal employees, you two. You and Ozil, two peas in the pod. <laughs> yeah, but let's say, yeah. let's, let's say let's say it, Will. Let's let's speak the truth. He's a bit of a oh, pain in the arse, isn't he, Ozil? Oh, I mean, the, 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 the time I went up there to those messages, I think we had five players. We had Licksteiner, Gwendouzi, Holding, Ozil, and... Uh, Iwobi, I think off the top of my head, yeah, Iwobi would have still been there. Um, you know, and Licksteiner, as you can imagine, prim, proper, on time, professional, did everything yeah, we asked proper. of him. European. Uh, I yeah. think Gwendouzi got some tinsel stuck in his hair at one point, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, Ozil just, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say, he wasn't really... Uh, in that enthusiastic, but the, the 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 great thing about doing those <laughs> things is just how much they mean to like the, the person on the receiving yeah. end and, and everything like that. I know that sounds really really corny, but like just like oh my god, no, yeah. I'll have lived that experience just going up to the training ground a couple of times and seeing things that some people might might not ever get to see and love. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. Urzil like not that enthusiastic is probably the phrase that would ring true from many an Arsenal manager, many an Arsenal fan, apart from the demented fanboy. Um, fan club that he had but i thought that yeah was well, well the thing about it probably you've, you've been to the arsenal found and you josh been to yes. the, end of the arsenal foundation yes. ball which i was lucky Indeed. enough to, to help out on josh has um, it, i have yeah. as well basically I, I, i'm waiting for boyd to uh next year. to get dermot to invite me and i'm still waiting patiently but next yeah year. next year i'm in next year next year absolutely you, you'll, you'll go to cinderella will go to the ball don't, don't yeah. worry about that but, but you're um, right like, you're lost in first out of that ball yeah look, look tough i think like when you when you volunteer for those things you usually get told who you're looking after in advance go on josh well, no, I was going to wonder, was it maybe that Ozil did an assist and passed the tinsel to Gwendouzi and then thought <laughs> Gwendouzi was going to do the, the interview? It might have been confusion about it. Really, Ozil was just there to do the assist of a tinsel. It's possible. I, it, it, it's possible. I just that he, he wasn't very uh, assisting on the day for that. But you know what? Like, to be fair to Meza Ozil, on a charitable front, the amount of money that he puts into work with like valuable causes and everything, if we're going to play it with some parity, it's like unprecedented and probably makes so much difference the world over than the, the, what I the, mm. what I ever That's did at the club. But, um, the found, gives, sorry, a, the gives a lot of board. charity and, and does love to talk about it. But yeah, come on. Yeah, he, do, he does some really good stuff to be fair. Mm. Um, and uh, But yeah, the foundation ball, they were good fun. Um, as you, Boyd, you, it's like a candy shop, I'm sure you can oh, yeah, Boyd. Yeah. It's, just, it's just such an amazing night. But I, I had the pleasure of uh, looking after 
Henrik Mkhitaryan and Alex Awobi um, when I when I did. Um, Mkhitaryan's such a really, really lovely bloke. Too um, disappointing forwards. Smashing it out of Rome. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? You say disappointing, but looking back, like when you're a, a fan and an employer, I know, like, I know, I know. I'm horrible. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, and Awobi uh, was was really nice as well, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's a good evening. But I distinctly remember Mustafi and Özil were not <laughs> again. Oh, Mustafi as well, pain in the ass. I don't think talk. it was. I just don't think it was their favourite event of the year. That's all. Um, no, but you know, um, not here to dish dirt on anyone. Just some some minor observations on what's an amazing no, time at the club. That's really, very really good. amazing. That's very good. That's very good. Tim, maybe one day you'll be back. I mean, you know, this could be a this could be a um, you know a temporary thing i don't know you know who knows who knows, who who knows? knows? Hope, um hope. before we, we we should predict by the way we're, we're recording this three minutes in three minutes time um megan and harry are on itv so we want so i know if you, if you have you want to wrap it up quite quickly and we are coming to them we will predict the um the two games huge huge week coming up i mean fucking Massive. hell europa league and the tottenham game but i just wanted to mention in case anyone hasn't seen it that um lacazette and Aubameyang have done one did another one of their videos where they commentate over the um did you see this they commentated on i think the first game of the season it's out there Amazing. on instagram and arsenal socials it, they're so funny um yeah. just the two of them together kind of completely having a laugh i thought it was brilliant but we should um address the more important factor of the game on thursday Josh, what the fuck's going on there? Go on. Well, I, I just said from from watching Lacazette and Aubameyang, I'd love to see the two of them on Gogglebox, just yes. coming to, sort yeah, of that's a good to idea. some yeah. some yeah. some nonsense British TV. I think um, Boyd, you're the, you're the man with the connections. Yeah, I'll, to make I'll mention it. Happen. it. I'll mention it. Yeah. And um, what is going to happen? I mean, look, Olympiacos. They, they were in the Champions League, weren't they? I remember they were, they were in Manchester City's group, and, and obviously bowed out of Europe, and then they've. They've battled through against PSV. Um, I trust that Will will be far more across the Greek table. But uh, last time I looked, they were sort of humping, uh, humping the Greek league and uh, and away comfortably first. But you, you know, we've got a a. I, I think Arsenal will get through over the over the two legs. I, I really do. I think I think we're going to go quite quite deep now. I think this feels all like a draw, but then you know, come back to the Emirates and we'll we'll do it. So I think one one on Thursday, but a good 1-1. One, one. Like, we'll get, get an away goal and, and feel positive about it. Will? Yeah, I'm so glad to be back in the predictions game. Obviously, that's staple of this podcast. Oh, Great God, to see yes. It's the only, it's the only years, thing but... that keeps us going, Will. You, w- you wouldn't let it drop. Anyway, I can't ramble on because, as you say, Har- Harry and Megan are on in about a minute's time. Um, I'm I'm going to be a bit boring and go with Josh. I think 1-1's one, a pretty, uh, pre- pretty solid prediction uh, for, for that game. So, um, yeah, going go with Lando on this one. 1-1. One, one. I mean, obviously, we, we we need to point out the, what happened last year. You know, yeah. I mean, we we we, we, we went out. I mean, that was a horrific night uh, at the Emirates. Probably the lowest one of the lowest moments under the uh, the Arteta reign. But even on that night, it was a strange one, and you know, we 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 did enough across the two legs to to win. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what what are you thinking, Boyd? Um, I think I actually think we might. Win, yeah. I think I actually might win even even the away match on Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to say two one. I think I'll do a surprise a surprise okay. victory. I think we've got it in us to, to to play really well. And I think the bad luck we've had recently. I think that I think that will rouse them into um into 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 doing well. Yeah, and I think he was, you know he'll pick all the best players, and I think we'll be fine. Which means not, not William, by the way. Um. So yeah, I think it'll be fine. And then the Spurs game. Oh my god. So then we'd have had a late a late flight back from Greece. Um. Yep. Spurs have had the luxury of playing at home in the same competition. 
Uh, 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. Mother's Day, Will. Mother's Day. Uh, it's yeah. a tough one. Uh, I mean, Spurs suddenly play into form as well. Gareth Bale and fucking all their forwards are playing well suddenly. It's really quite... I am more... I'm worried about that game. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to record this. I think Arteta might just clock Mourinho this weekend and... Uh, what, we punch him? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Uh, but, um, I, I Literally, I might just work him out. I think, he oh, okay. might, I think he might have him worked out on this occasion. I don't say that with like being smug or anything like that. I just, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. Really? What score are you going to go for 2 0 Arsenal? 2 0? Wow. Yeah. That is yeah. bold. That is a bold prediction, Will. Yeah. Bold don't, don't, know where, don't know where it's coming from. Not feeling no. great about the Olympiacos game, but um, no. I just, yeah, I okay. think Spurs have got to come out and play a bit more in this one. And I think that suits us. So 2 0. Okay. Josh? I don't share the uh, optimism from young Will here. I've got to say, I I think we can get a point and I would take a point sadly right now, but a point is absolutely no good to us. If we still harbor hopes you're in football because Tottenham are one of the teams that you think we are going to have to overhaul if there was any hope of, of making it. So, uh, I, I think there's goals. I think, I think this is two, two. I don't think we're good enough to keep, keep them out, but, um, two, two. So I think, I just feel like we're sitting here in, in 10 days' time and we've got through in Europe, we'll kind of begrudgingly accept if we haven't managed to beat Spurs in a North London derby. I just think it feels so heavily it's about Europe at the moment. So I'm going 2-2, Boyd. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of 2-2 as well. Um, but I thought was that what could... it was last year? I think it was, wasn't it? Lacazette yeah. and Bamiyang yeah. got us back into the game after we were 2-0 yeah. down. I am really worried about um, Gareth Bale and... Son and uh, just just our our, our play our, our defense just f- but if if we don't concede in the first five minutes which is quite likely let's face it it's quite I can see us I can see them scoring in the first five minutes one of those Son Kane you know thing get things if that doesn't happen then I think we can scrape a draw yeah well I'll, well, I'll say one all if they do score in the first five minutes then it's over we're not coming back from that so well, he always scores I mean that's the problem with Kane I think he scored yeah. on four four of his yeah, last he five a brilliant the goal the and, uh, yeah. Uh, and and also four of the last five at the yeah, lane. Yeah, we just so have to make sure we, do, we don't we don't concede oh. in the first five minutes. That's my main. That's my main concern. Yeah. Anyway, and Leno but, might Leno might just hit it long. Leno might hit it. Yeah, long. maybe hit it long. He could hit it long. Uh, burnt in this particular game. And um, thanks so much for coming back, Will, and um, being uh, uh, f- fascinating and slightly indiscreet. That's that was great. Um, and you give us the title because I'm saying tinsel in Gwendozi's hair has to be the title of this podcast. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Which, absolutely brilliant. Which um, Ozil put there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, so yeah. Thanks very much. And cheers, Josh. And uh, we'll be back um, maybe this time next week, or maybe even earlier. Who knows? Bye. Nice one. Thanks for having me, boys. Pleasure. Cheers. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.